Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast. This is your host, Madeline Moon, and you're listening to episode 312 of the Mind Body Musings podcast with George Lizos. We're going to go into George's story in just a moment, but before we go into our chit chat, I would love to read to you today's review of the week. This comes from Emma Fent 33. She says, podcast of the year with five stars. It has been years since I've stumbled upon a podcast that has danced with and struck my heartstrings quite like this one. As a fellow Sagittarius moon Virgo rising, my entire being resonates with the medicine that Madeline weaves in and speaks to on each podcast, almost completely mirroring my own interests, aspirations, musings, and career path. But you don't have to have any specific or similar astrological signs to soak up the magic that is in this podcast. Filled with wisdom, humanness, witchiness, spirituality, humor, and depth, this is a podcast I will listen to for years to come and tell everyone I know about. Thank you so much, Madeline. I want to be like you when I grow up. When I read this review, I definitely shed a teeny tiny tear. Um, It meant so much to me. This was uh, one of the sweetest reviews I've ever received in the six and a half plus years that I've had this podcast. So thank you so much, Emmafent33, for sharing how deeply you resonate with me and my work and for also being on this journey together. I mean, this is ultimately why I'm here week after week for nearly seven years. It's because I feel like I am on a really big, massive journey in my own life, and it's also a big journey I think the whole world is going through. Like, we're doing this thing called being human, and we're committed to the process of being human, and it's pretty freaking cool to record it. Record this messy process and dive deep together in a way that is natural and raw and in real time, because Lord knows that I am constantly receiving lessons from the universe on my ego and my triggers and my shadow and my light and my love. But we cannot have those moments of expansion and opening and and gifts if we're not also not just willing to be in our shit, but also willing to breathe through our shit and, and be humble enough to know when we might actually be wrong. And when I say wrong, I don't mean we're fundamentally wrong as a human, like we're we're malfunctioned. I mean that we're in a we're making a stance on something that isn't in the highest good and it's actually coming from ego that we're trying to win a fight simply to win or be heard or be louder or to make sure everyone knows that you can never be controlled. Um, does this sound specific? It might sound specific because I'm currently going through something that is very specific to what I am saying right now, where my little inner girl and my childhood wounding has found a way 
to put myself in a position that is leaving me saying, ah, everyone's out to get me when everyone's not out to get me. Um, but our subconscious likes to do funny things like that. And um, I'm in, I'm currently, I'm just being real with you on it. I'm in a moment right now where I've been in some unpleasant situations the past couple months and I've put myself in those situations. It's like my subconscious was like, ooh, that situation looks like my childhood. Mm, let's go find ourselves there. That way we can reaffirm our story that I always have to be by myself and I have to be independent. And if we just go right into that situation and disempower ourselves, we can prove our story right. And that's what my little sweet inner child did. And in this moment, as I'm recording this intro, I'm I'm sitting with what does my inner child need and what what am I responsible for to get out of this situation and take my autonomy back? Because I've felt like my autonomy has been lost the past couple months and I've chosen to actually lose my autonomy and then be a victim to it. So now I'm in this process of, oh, wow, well, that's what I'm responsible for. I'm responsible for giving up my autonomy and then playing victim. I'm the girl who doesn't have autonomy. When I do, and it's all because of my choices that led me to not. So going back into, you know, this podcast, this journey, what we're here to do, we're here to be in those moments where we are in some deep shit and we're in our own stuff. We're in our own ego. We're in our own reeling thoughts. We're in reaction and we can slow down and be humble enough to know that we don't need to always be right. And just because we take responsibility for something doesn't mean we're bad or we're wrong or that we're unworthy of love or we can't love. You know, all these stories that we tell ourselves, they're not always true. They very rarely are. So I share this with you because one, it's where I'm currently at today and it feels important to share with all of you that there are going to be times where all of us find ourselves back in our childhood wounding. And the answer isn't to completely uproot <clears throat> and leave behind the life we're creating and run away, uh, change the environment, change your clothes, change your name, change everything, get a tattoo. Like sometimes these things are fun, but it's not always the answer. The answer for me, it's typically always been, okay, what is one thing that feels possible to do today? That's within my own power, not changing someone else, not getting someone else to do something I want them to do, but what is one thing my inner little girl needs in order to feel autonomy or agency or in control again in a way that feels good? So today I sat down and I wrote a list of what will make my inner girl feel in control and a few things came to mind and they're never too too small you know sometimes the smallest things can give us a feeling of safety again of knowing okay I've got what I need I've got the the nourishment and the food that I need I've, I've got the safe space that I need I've got a friend who I can talk to I and my friend yesterday when I called her told me make sure that whatever one thing you choose to do is something that it, it's a 100%. Whenever you're making these lists, when you're in your own triggers and you decide, okay, I'm going to make a choice, I'm going to take an action in the right direction, pick one thing that is a 100%, not a like 50%. Like, well, here's something I could do that might make me feel better, but it also kind of stresses me out. 
When you're deeply in a trigger, find the one thing that's a 100% yes that you can do to feel better. It might mean getting in the car and taking a very short trip to your favorite restaurant and sitting down by yourself and eating a meal. It could be taking one step in the direction of uh, getting to know what your fear is by like putting pen to paper and writing things down. Maybe even that's something that gives you more clarity. Or one thing could be finding a therapist for, for you and your, your partner and booking your first session One thing could be sleeping in a different bedroom because you need a little bit of space or to go back into the bedroom because you need intimacy and closeness. Whatever is that 100% thing is the thing to do in the moment you feel a loss of control and and guide yourself back into humility and, and back into a softened state where you don't have to prove so much to feel safe or control others to feel safe. So I know I'm kind of going on a tangent today, but you follow. You follow? I feel like you follow. All right. So today's podcast is with George Lizos. I'm going to read his bio on air with him. So I will save that. But just know you're in for a real treat. This guy is awesome. Highly recommend that you follow him on Instagram too. He's just really like, every time I see his face, I'm like, oh, this feels good. I love seeing his face. He just brightens my day simply by being who he is. Um, and today we're going to talk about masculine and feminine from his own perspective. And he also has a background of being raised in a conservative Christian upbringing. And at the age of 13, he realized that he was gay and then internalized that and had to go through this intense journey of self-reclamation. And it's brought him to where he is today, doing such powerful work around reclaiming who you are. You are in for a treat for this episode And if you'd like to also watch it, this episode is on my YouTube channel, Maddie Moon TV. You can go watch the interview over there. I am moving forward. I'm trying to always record and post the videos of all interviews, not solo episodes, but interviews will be on there. So subscribe to my YouTube channel. I will have a link to that in the show notes for this episode. And if you want to join us in my group coaching program, the Sisu Society, we would love, love, love to have you. The Sisu Society is only $19 a month and you get two live group calls, embodiment practices, teachings on the feminine and masculine and sovereignty and loving from a brave place. This group is turning out to be more than I ever could have imagined. And I did have big plans for it, but it's been a beautiful experience to watch it unfold and watch the women support each other and grow and share their their sticky spots when it comes to the feminine and feeling emotions and being in partnership and getting over exes and having kids while being single. It's a beautiful playground for learning what it's what it means to love bravely. And that's why I call it the Sisu Society, because Sisu means to have determination and resilience to an extraordinary level. And that's what we need in order to be feminine beings, because being feminine in the feels and in the energy and the emotion and expression is not for the faint of heart. And it is not for half-heartedness. It is for the fully committed. doesn't mean we don't mess up, but it means that we're committed to coming back coming back into breathing in the places of discomfort, just like what I was talking about at the beginning of this podcast. Summoning Sisu when we're in our trigger 
And it doesn't mean that we're going to grit through it and hustle. Sisu means that we, we are here. We stay, we stay just period. We stay, we're here for it. We, we breathe through whatever's happening and we center ourselves again and we come back to the place of love. So if you are interested in joining us, we would love to have you. Again, this is only $19 a month and my uh, next course up is the Feminine Spirit School. So that's 1100 and then we've got my personal coaching. So this is the lowest priced offer for such a great value if you are wanting to take that next step. For now, if the podcast is where you're at, and it's this yummy, juicy thing you get to listen to once a week, then that is absolutely fine. I'm here to support you there. And if you want to take the next step and you want community and you want to have a safe space to bring your questions and thoughts and follow-up thoughts on podcasts, then join us at the Sisu Society, mattymoon.com forward slash Sisu dash society. And I will have a link to that in the show notes of this podcast. That's enough of me. Let's head on over and speak to George. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Mind Body Musings podcast for episode 312. Today, we have George Lizos. He is a spiritual teacher, intuitive, and the author of Be the Guru and the number one best selling Lightworkers Gotta Work, co creator of Elemental Healing, and the host of the Lit Up Lightworkers podcast. He helps lightworkers to find their purpose and work their light in real, palpable ways that create positive change in the world. And I have got your book right here, George. I am so excited to have you on to the podcast to speak on this beautiful baby Yay, that you just birthed. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. It's so exciting. I, I was just telling you that I love your crown so much. If you're watching this video, you can see he has this beautiful crown on his head. And if you're listening in, you can just imagine it. It's my way of like bringing in my feminine energy, like to find this balance in a symbolic way and therefore embody it. (laughs) Yeah. It's one of those things that's very unique to you. Like I've popped on your videos and I've been like, he wears this crown and it's so adorable and beautiful and I love it. And I have to ask him about it. So I have like five, five or six of them and I just alternate them depending on my mood. And it's basically just a touch point for me really to step Mm. into my feminine energy. I actually haven't, haven't thought about it because I was never asked this question. Why do I put on the crown? Because my default, and it's something we're going to talk about is acting from a masculine energy, always pushing myself to take action and move forward. And I've had to learn to embrace my feminine energy through the years. And Mm. the purpose of my book, Lightworkers Gotta Work is to help lightworkers to balance their masculine and feminine energies and channel that balance into taking action towards their life purpose. So I'm trying to find all little touch points to remind myself on a daily basis to find this balance. Like right next to me, I have like an altar to Aphrodite to help me embody that feminine mm-hmm. energy. And when I do like interviews, I put on the flower crown just to channel some of that in as well. Mm, I love that so much. It reminds me of when I, for example, put on red. I'm like, okay, I'm stepping into my Mary Magdalene energy. I'm wearing red. And I have, I like that you use the word touchstones because I have that mm. as well. I'll have certain, like um, maybe a trinket that I'll have around whenever I'm coaching. And it's also an archetype that you get to step into. It's a container. Like that crown provides for you a container. Okay, now I'm stepping into this archetype. This is who I'm going to be for the next hour. And then you take it off and it's like a really beautiful way to not compartmentalize, but also in a sense it is that of compartmentalizing the different versions of us that we want to step into at certain times. 
Yeah, it's segment intending. Like I set the intention in this mm. segment, I'm gonna portray this side of me or I'm gonna share this side of me. And then I'm taking the crown off and I'm transitioning and pivoting to a different segment of my life. So it's like giving myself permission to be all my different sides mm-hmm. uh, whenever I choose to do so rather mm. than, because you know, when, you're, when you have a public persona, people expect you to be that in real life yeah. and they don't realize that it's part of you. Yes, it's an authentic part of you but it's just that, a part. (laughs) Mm -hmm. part So it's like, it helps me separate in a a way. Yeah. Okay, so my first first intention for this conversation, I want to hear about your upbringing and your background, your story a little bit. Uh, We'll get into some of the the nitty gritty details of it, but I'm, I'm just so curious with the world that you have built for yourself around divine feminine divine masculine by the way this is the perfect podcast to be speaking about this on like this is this is our jam um but being raised where you were raised and having the the religious background as well it it feels like we have a very similar thread and a similar Mm. story but we ended up going into uh you the divine masculine me the divine feminine but also both so i'm gonna let you have the floor here to just share some about your background So essentially, I was born in this small Mediterranean island of Cyprus. And when it comes to like small communities in general, they tend to be very stereotypical. They expect you to be a certain way because the diversity is limited. And I grew up in a a very Christian family as well. The whole island is very like Christian and very religious. So growing up, I was this weird kid who liked talking to flowers and just like my idea of a party was going to a flower shop and just just smelling the different kind of flowers where where other kids would go to parties and just play with each other. So I always stood out from the crowd, which created this sense that there's something wrong with me. I'm weird. Like I used to look up to the sky and wonder, why am I here? What is the purpose of life? Like I was confronted with life's big questions from a young age, which wasn't the norm. So it, by creating this sense that there's something wrong with me, I constantly strived to become um, a match to what people expected of me. So I tried to become the perfect student at school, the perfect citizen in society, the perfect son for my parents so that I would be accepted and I would feel like I'm fitting in. As a result, I was bullied a lot as well throughout this, uh, this whole journey until the age of 13 years old when I realized that I was gay. Now, at the time, homosexuality had just been legalized. Like when I was born in 1990, I think that was the year that it stopped being a crime. So Mm. by the time I was 13, it was still a big taboo to be gay. Gay people were considered to be pedophiles and criminals and something you wouldn't want your child to be. Mm. So there was no way I would allow myself to take on yet another label on top of the other labels I had been assigned. So I'm like, great, I'm just gonna approach this in the same way I approached everything else. I'm going to change myself from gay to straight one step at a time. And that's when I entered the two most debilitating years of my life, where for two years, I would try to monitor the way I walked, the way I, I talked, the way I behaved in the world. And I ended up working in a very robotic way and speaking in a very robotic way because I, I feared that I would sound like a girl or I would walk, walk like a girl. Mm-hmm. Until the point when I was 15 years old, I had tried everything and I had failed to turn myself into something I was not born to be. And I just told myself that you're just a human abomination. There is no way you'll make it in the world. So I decided to take my own life. 
So in a very dark moment in my life, coming back from school after another day of being bullied and being called names, I wrote a letter to my parents. I got a bunch of pills and I was ready to just let go completely and do it. And let go is a key word here because as soon as I let go, the answer to my question, the solution to the problem that I felt I had, had always been available to me, but I couldn't see because I was resisting it by trying to change myself. And right then at the point of surrender, it became available. And that answer, that solution was, fuck what people think, fuck what society says, fuck what the church thinks, and learn to love and accept and approve yourself exactly as you are. So I started crying and I realized, you know what? I have this choice right now. I will choose to live and I will learn to love myself because you know what, Madeline? I had no idea how to love myself. All I experienced from myself and from others was judgment and loathing. So, but you know what? Something magical happens when you declare to the universe that you want to change. The universe comes in to support you. So that's when I was led to spirituality and I started from Feng Shui. I decided to use Feng Shui to manifest a boyfriend at the time. So spiritual modality after the other, I learned to forgive myself, to love myself, to forgive my bullies and slowly empower myself to become who, to learn to love myself essentially and learn to, to, to live with it and embrace it and love it and honor it. And Years later, after I had empowered myself and I found healing and I found all the support, the love and the acceptance I needed within me, I was inspired to share that in a book where I wrote my first book, Be the Guru, a step-by-step guide to becoming your own spiritual teacher, where I guide people through my step-by-step formula to finding all the freedom, the love and the support they need within them. So something interesting happened then. I felt like I graduated spirituality. You know, when you write a book or when you go through like a spiritual transformation, you're like, great, tick, enlightenment, tick, (laughs) done. I'm spiritual right now. All is well. I thought I'd beat patriarchy that tried to kill me by suppressing my feminine energy, by rejecting my feminine energy. But that was only part of it because A few years later, after publishing my book, I found myself in another interesting situation. I was in London working a full-time job while developing my own spiritual business part-time, which meant that I would work nine to five job, go home, start working on my business until midnight. All the weekends were dedicated on my business. So essentially, I was still abusing my masculine energy. And I hadn't realized it until three years later when I woke up one morning intending to go to work and my body just wouldn't move. I thought I got paralyzed, but then I realized I had burned myself out. By that point, I had gained 15 kilos. I developed a serious case of eczema and psoriasis, and retrospectively, I was mildly depressed. And I realized patriarchy may have failed to kill me when I was 15, but it was killing me slowly in subversive ways in my adulthood because it is so ingrained into the system of society, into the way we're brought up, that even when we think we're being feminine, we're being masculine. We're being feminine in a masculine way. (laughs) It is so deeply entrenched into the very core of who we are born to be because it's been here for thousands of years that it still influences us. And I'm like, okay, something needs to change. So long story short, I did a past life regression that helped me realize that, I had been abusing my feminine energy 
abusing my masculine energy and suppressing my feminine energy because in a past life, I had been a prostitute who was pregnant with one of my clients. And when I had told him that, he stabbed me in the womb, killing the baby. And from then on, I made the promise of keep rejecting my feminine energy and abusing my masculine energy. And in this lifetime, the way this manifested was literally trying to take away my life and create the same wound. And, and it was play, still playing out later on in my life. And that's when I got the epiphany. You need to embrace the divine feminine. Mm. But I heard something that did not make sense at the time, but it felt right and I had to trust it. And that was, George, you're supposed to find the feminine from within the masculine. And the, it, it didn't make sense at the time, but it took me to transition to Greek paganism and therefore become a priest to Hellenic polytheism and therefore learn how the ancient Greeks always on their altars, they honored both the feminine and the masculine. They had a god and a goddess to realize that the masculine and feminine energies are two sides of the same coin. And therefore, when you only focus on one, you're abusing the other and you're not really helping that one that you're focusing on rise up. So by solely focusing on the rise of the divine feminine, I wasn't really helping the divine feminine to rise because that divine feminine has a masculine side as well that I was completely ignoring. And I realized I had been doing that and I can see this happening in the spiritual community in general where we're only talking about the divine feminine and vilifying the masculine because mm -hmm. it has been abused by patriarchy, not realizing that the masculine energy is in the bad guy, the way we've abused it is, and not realizing that it's our job to teach the world and ourselves of using the masculine energy to help the divine feminine to rise. Because when you are in your feminine, you're receiving the guidance. That guidance wants to be expressed in a masculine way. And when you are expressing masculine energy, it's not about hassle. That's ego work. It's not light work. It has to be inspired guidance, which comes from the feminine. So I heard the call that in order to be able to fully embrace both the masculine and the feminine was to not just do it energetically, because you know, in the spiritual community, we like to do a meditation and feel like, great, I'm balanced right now. And I heard, no, no, no. You have to express that in a physical, palpable way into the world. So George, I heard my guides, quit your job, move back to Cyprus, go self-employed. And here I am, three years later, 15 kilos down, the eczema is gone, the psoriasis is gone, and I can confidently say, I am at my happiest right now. And the most important thing, I have three hours of a spiritual practice every single morning, hence my feminine energy. And then I balance that up with masculine energy by doing beautiful work like doing a podcast with you right now. So I managed to find this balance, not through a meditation, but by taking action, by working my light, by adjusting my lifestyle. Of course, it started from meditation. Of course, it started from spiritual practices, but knowledge without its application is meaningless. You are so fucking cool. You are so cool. <laughs> I, I just adore you, your whole story. I've, I have not heard your story in this way yet, and I am blown away by what you experienced at such a young age, at 13, having that moment. Like, that is so young to have that realization and have that weight on your chest and your body. And, and you had that from realizing that you were gay. And I know a lot of girls have had that from realizing that they're just girls like, Oh no, I've got a body that I should be afraid of because people want to take it. Like 
having these experiences, it's, it's especially at such a young age, it's so clear and obvious to me. I'm sure it is very clear and obvious to you that you're here to be a light worker. You're here to do big, big, big things. And that's why your journey started so early and your responsibility started so early and the shadow that you had to go through of depression had to start really early so that you could mm. be, I'm assuming now you're 29. So I'm, I was born I'm 29. In, exactly. Yes. Yeah, I'm 28. And so by this point, we have these beautiful businesses where we're both teaching like the same thing, which is really cool. Exactly. And I also love that you said, um, you said that you're going about the feminine in a very masculine way. And I have found it to be also the opposite. One of the things that I get so annoyed by is that women think they're being masculine when they're being hyper feminine and manipulative. Yes. <laughs> and so they're like thinking like, I'm super masculine because I'm hustle and go, go, go. But actually it's really ungrounded feminine energy of just needing to do all the things. So to that point, what I feel like we're both saying here is, is not to get too like, since what you said can also work the other way around, not to get too stuck into these labels, because uh. I adore this conversation of masculine and feminine, but I also realize that it can really limit us. Yes. So you had these experiences of feeling limited because you're such a vast being of all these different interests and having Greek pagan mythology and loving flower essences and like dancing with these different parts of you and past regression, all this stuff. So I'm curious when it comes to the, especially, Ooh, this is good. Especially being in a same sex relationship. I am so, so interested how the harmony between the feminine and masculine and your relationship works, who takes which pole? Because whenever you're in a, like uh, like all of the workshops that I do where it's typically men and women, we know what area we're going into. We're just placed in it. Women are feminine, men are masculine. So you're having to really tune into the moment, especially in relationships to know who's taking what pole and not get too caught up into the the labels also, I'm assuming. So I'm just curious how that's been working. Yes. So essentially, I just like create a distinction between the various terms. So we have sex, we have gender, we have sexuality, and we have masculine and feminine energy. So mm -hmm. sex is biological, gender is social, sexuality is uh, biological, and then uh, masculine and feminine energy, they're energies that flow mm -hmm. within all these different uh, terminologies. So yes, women tend to have more feminine energy than men, and men tend to have more masculine energy that, than women, but both of these energies flow through um, all different genders, sexualities, sexes. Now, in my experience with regards to um, same-sex relationships, it's still something I'm also learning and exploring because it's so convoluted, but at the same time, it's easy. Like, we like all those labels, as you said, masculine, feminine, gay, straight, and if you, if you go deeper into the gay relationship, we have bottoms and tops and etc. like taking different positions, but essentially, I see it as a spectrum. You have this spectrum that is sexuality and that is also masculine and feminine energy when you think about it from a spiritual perspective and we can fall in any of in any point on that spectrum so let's say uh, i'm in a same-sex relationship i can be 60 percent more masculine and 40 uh, percent feminine for example the other person can be any combination of that and the role sometimes can be fixed sometimes they can be fluid sometimes they can change all the time of course, we have those labels. Let's say, for example, in a, in a same-sex gay relationship, 
men who tend to be more in their feminine are called bottoms and therefore they're what they're passives in the relationship mm. and uh other 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 gays who are more uh, dominant they can be they, they're called tops and therefore they have more masculine energy but it's not that those roles remain fixed they change and they evolve as the per- person changes and evolves but we go through different phases where i'm in my let's say my feminine phase right now where i want that side of me to express and now i'm in my uh, more masculine phase and i want that side of me to uh, to express there is nothing wrong or right you're not supposed to be in the 50-50% all the time. You're allowed to be at any point on that scale whenever you want and let the relationship unfold um, as fluidly as the, uh, the diversity of a couple allows that to be. That's a beautiful answer because I, I find that in this relational dynamic that I, I have and looking at my past relationships, I often have this mindset of, okay, I'm the feminine creature. I'm more in the feminine. It just needs yeah. to be that way. He needs to be more in the mask. It just needs to be that way. And then when it doesn't work out that way, because I am incredibly masculine, so it's natural that it's not going to work out that way. There becomes friction and I want to stop allowing what's trying to, to be born in that moment. Yes. And sometimes I have this thought of, okay, well, what if I was in a same-sex relationship right now? Would I be expecting them to do the same? Would, would I be expecting them to naturally be in this? No, of course not. Well, we're all just souls. Yeah. We're all just souls doing the best that we can. So that's been a mindset that's really helped me to be more uh, gracious and kind to whatever energy is naturally coming up instead of getting attached to these labels yes. of where we're and- supposed to be. Do you know what really helped and something that I talk a lot in Life Workers Gotta Work is that we tend to find this balance between masculine and feminine energy very simply when we connect with nature because nature mm-hmm. emulates that so powerfully. It doesn't need to try and it doesn't use labels to define masculine and feminine. But when you observe the cycles of nature during the winter, it goes into what we would call the feminine energy where it retreats, sheds its leaves, and there is so much masculine energy nurtured during this time in the earth waiting for spring to come so it can emerge. So it's still creative. There is still masculine within that feminine because it's this potential for growth. And then spring and summer comes where that potential for growth can be expressed in a different way but there is also feminine energy in that because there is decay there is Mm. so many uh, energies flowing in so i found and in the book i have uh, meditations to connecting with the elementals who are the spirits and consciousness of nature and i also talk about bathing under cosmic lights to balance our masculine and feminine energies Mm. for example if we the light from the sun, the moon, and the stars is a reflection of our own inner light. And by connecting to that, both in a meditation or out in nature as well, we get to awaken naturally without even trying our own masculine and feminine energies without really trying to, oh, right now I'm going to be masculine, right now I'm going to be feminine. It comes instantly. It comes as an impulse. For example, the star light bathing is all about nurturing your feminine energy. Uh, the sun energy is all about nurturing your masculine energy. And to me, although the moon as as, as the essence is very feminine, the moon light coming from the moon, which is a combination of the moon's surface and the sun, therefore mm. masculine and feminine, is the balance between masculine mm. and feminine energy. Damn, so that. when we expose ourselves to the moon on a daily basis throughout the moon cycle, we basically get 
doses of these spiritual vitamins from the moon that naturally tunes us into our masculine and feminine. And we don't have to try to do that. We just know when we want to express feminine, we know when we want to express masculine. That's yummy. I love, I love this. Switching gears just a teeny tiny bit around yes. the realm of light workers. Um, first, will you please define this so simply yes. and beautifully for us so we're all on the same page? So a light worker is anyone who wants to make the world a better place by choosing it. Mm -hmm. So anybody could be a light worker. However, in Light Workers Gotta Work, I coined the term Ascension Light Worker, who are light workers within the mind, body, spirit, spirituality um, industry. And therefore, Ascension Light Workers are old, mature souls who have mm. been incarnating lifetime after lifetime for the aim of helping the planet ascend into the new earth, ascend into the new Aquarian age. And they have been our ancestral light workers, our, the activists in the history of the world, that they have been incarnating, feeling this need to change and actualizing it by taking action, such as Martin Luther King, such as Anne Frank, such as Mahatma Gandhi, who have been doing the work. And now it's our job as we're incarnating into this planet at this time and age right now to come in, step into our purpose as well, and take action towards fulfilling their and therefore our and therefore our future children's purpose of helping making the world a much better place, more loving and a kinder and more peaceful place. So in essence, Ascension Lightworkers are here not to maintain the status quo, but to revolutionize it, mm. not by light chilling, but by light working. And by light working, I mean knowing their life purpose, getting really clear about it, and then taking physical palpable action steps towards fulfilling it. Mm -hmm. Do you think a lot of light workers are really stuck also around people pleasing? Because to be a light worker, you cannot fucking sit around pleasing people. Like you have to put yourself out there and be disliked as well. Yes. And the reason they people please now people pleasing to me is like abusing feminine energy in some way. So in my experience with working with light workers, some light workers tend to be stuck in their overly feminine energy, therefore procrastination or in their masculine energy, therefore hassle. And the reason behind that is because throughout many past lives, light workers have been persecuted, have been suppressed. They have been made to feel like we're not good enough, like we need to suppress our magic, like we have been the shamans that have to work underground or the witches that have been burnt on the stake. And even though our physicality, our ego does not remember all those past lives, our soul never forgets. Our soul does not live in the past or the future. It lives in the present and everything that happened in the past and the future exists in the now. So our soul remembers what happened and has this expectation for persecution. So some light workers have chosen to vilify the masculine and be like, okay, I'm just gonna sit and meditate and just nurture my life, raise my vibration and I'm changing the world, which they aren't because they're just raising the vibration of the room. <laughs> or they feel like, okay, time to get to work and just, just create the change and they forget to consult with their intuition and just connect and receive guidance from their feminine energy and they just work, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. And they do create change, but not as much change as they could have created if they found that balance. So to come back to your question, people pleasing comes from just having this rift between the two and uh, not finding this balance and using it to light work. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
this is bringing up something for me and I want to see if you agree about this. I'm yes. going to do a little tiny, a mini vent here. Something yes. I've noticed in this coaching world where people will have this hashtag on their Instagram bio, lightworker, this and then that. But all that I see them doing is creating programs to make coaches, to make more coaches. Like there are a coach who makes coaches, who makes coaches, but it's all in this, you know, eight week program. And it just like, Ah, it drives me nuts because I, I feel like what we're supposed to do here, and, and this is anyone that has this calling, it's okay if they do that. But my yearning is to see more people, yes, creating coaches to go do good though, to, to not look over or bypass what is the actual work we're doing besides just making more coaches in this awesome coach filled world where we can all be coaches if we want but what is the why what is the purpose what are we yes. doing because then it's just about money if you're just creating this program to make coaches so that they can live their dream and go to hawaii and work on the beach like that's great and what we're here to do is to like be fucking uncomfortable and 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 help people learn empathy when they weren't raised in a family with empathy and like to to be in the nitty gritty divinity that is this world even if it's fucking hard at times you know exactly so what you're saying is basically abusing masculine energy without mm. consulting with it with a guidance so it all comes back to finding your life purpose and getting really specific about it. That's why in Lightworkers Gotta Work, the first part of the book is called Find Your Purpose. And you know, so many people teach about finding your purpose and they define it in a very general way. When I ask Lightworkers, what is your purpose? They say, oh, my life, my, my purpose is to help people heal or to mm -hmm. help make the world a better place. And I'm like, yes, that is every Lightworkers collective purpose. Your specific life purpose is way more specific. Mm -hmm. And unless you have a definition of it, then you don't really know it. So all these coaches doing all this work, in my perspective, from my perspective, they don't have a clear definition of their why, as you say, and therefore what their specific life purpose is, and therefore the specific kind of coaches they want to create to help them create a specific kind of change in the world. So in Lightworkers Gotta Work, I talk about the four purposes of Lightworkers. Purpose number one is the Lightworker purpose, which is our collective purpose of helping to make the world a better place. Okay, then we have our soul realm purpose. Soul realms are groups of souls who have collective purposes, um, topic specific. It could be environmental protection, it could be political, it could be whatever it, it is. But it's group of souls in the same way that we have different countries with different cultures and characteristics, we have different groups of souls. And that is our soul realm purpose. From that, we have our soul purpose, which is a personal purpose that is fulfilled over a series of lifetimes. Let's say my purpose is marine conservation. My sole purpose is marine conservation. Two lifetimes to identify the problem, three lifetimes to learn how to resolve mm -hmm. it, two lifetimes to actually resolve it. And then our life purpose is a step towards fulfilling our sole purpose. And it's very, very specific. It has to do with the where, the how, the why, the what of what we're here to do. So just to give you a um, an example, I have my life purpose defined and stuck on a post-it right in front of me and I read it every single day to remind myself. So let me just read it so that people can get an idea of how specific it has to be. So my life purpose as George is, I help light workers, that's my who, overcome fears and limiting beliefs that prevent them from finding and following their life purpose, that's my what, 
through transformational spiritual processes, healing journeys, and intuitive guidance. That's my how. To find happiness, help others heal, and create positive change in the world. That's my why. So in Lightworkers Gotta Work, I guide people through a step-by-step -step process to coming up with that definition. And when you do that, then you know you're a coach that trains coaches that will help people do mm -hmm. something specific. Mm -hmm. mm. I love that process. It's like a mission statement, but it's for lightworkers. Yes. It's a mission statement that you've laid out so beautifully for, um, for everyone who's, who's feeling called to like get really crystal clear. And I think that is a a really beautiful takeaway from this interview of the importance of not just being a light worker and like hopping on Instagram and talking about like the amazing things you've done today. And I have no judgment about like no negative judgment about that because that's fine. But that I think is part of the people pleasing of playing it safe. Yeah. And so when you get really crystal clear of what you're here to do, that's when the that's when God is like, okay, well, I'm going to give you all these opportunities to, to make that happen. And then you're going to feel uncomfortable at time, whether it's going to be in your relationship or it's going to be with a client or it's going to be building your business. But when you are so clear on that, why doing these things, these hard, uncomfortable things becomes, I'm not going to say easier, but more natural. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. Like on my website, it says like you're, you're, um, I should know exactly what it says, but it says something like you're built to withstand the trials that come with your calling. And we have to first know exactly what you're teaching here, what that calling is to withstand yes, trials. Exactly. When we show up for us, the universe shows up for us. Because mm -hmm. many people think that manifestation of anything, including our life purpose, has to do with, oh, the universe is my bitch. I'm just going to request something and the universe will just knock itself out to deliver. Yes, the universe will support you, but you have to put in the work as well. And finding your life purpose and taking action is an important step to doing so. Mm -hmm. One more question I have for you is around self-trust. You're someone who is incredibly self-trusting, it feels, you know, from, especially when I think of past life regressions, like you've yes. gone through that and you just, you believe it. You believe it. You yeah. believe the past life. Yeah. So I think a lot of people would question and being like, is that, did it, did I meditate myself into a, the wrong past life? And I just, you know, was daydreaming or is it real? So what is one of the number one things you feel that is an ingredient light workers need in order to just go ahead and trust themselves and their intuition? Is to... This, that's not what you're going to expect, but I think you're going to like this. It's listening to our triggers and doing the inner work needed to resolve them. Mm -hmm. Because whenever we feel negative emotion, that is our body telling us, you're feeling something that your source and your inner being disagrees with. And it's time for you to do some like digging and try to understand why this is there. So a lot of self-trust comes from removing the obstacles that prevent you from being in alignment with who you really are. So when a trigger comes up and therefore when a negative emotion comes up, we're usually quick to just like, like shove it under the carpet, ignore it, move forward. Mm -hmm. But when we take this time, this magical moment to interview uh, our, our trigger, and I like, to I like to use the, the five why process, asking myself why, asking that emotion why five times. Why do you feel self-doubt? Okay, because you've been judged. Why have you been judged? Oh, because you've been judging yourself. Why have you been judging yourself? Because I feel I'm unworthy. Why do you feel you're unworthy because of that? And then by the fifth why, you find the core limiting belief or thought 
behind that. And then using a spiritual process like tapping, like journaling, like whatever you want to use to resolve that, you've removed an obstacle that prevents you from being in alignment with who you really are. And who you really are is self-trusting. Because when you mm. are in alignment with source, you don't question whether you're masculine or feminine. You don't question whether you're, you know your life purpose or not. You don't question whether you're worthy or not. You don't question your intuition. You don't question whether you're following your purpose or whether you're teaching, uh, you're making the wrong coaches. You just know that yeah. you're worthy, you know you're aligned, you know that you're following your purpose, you know that all will eventually be well. Mm, beautiful. I'm so glad I asked you that question. That was such a great answer. Uh, I'm going to just highly, highly, highly recommend that everyone gets a copy of this beautiful book, Lightworkers Gotta Work. I'm so proud of you too, just for making a book, making a baby, putting it out into the world. Um, I'm currently writing a book and I know it's not an easy process. It in itself is a whole chapter of your life that you are going through an immense experience of like your own triggers and your own things that have come up that might try to keep you from writing this book. So it's amazing that you sat down, you wrote it, you put it out into the world and you're truly living your life purpose. Thank you. I so appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. Well, I'm going to let you go for this day. Thank you so much for coming on to the Mind Body Musings podcast and sharing your wisdom and all these helpful insights and nuggets with all of the Mind Body Musings listeners. Thank you so much for having me, Madeline. You're welcome. Okay, everyone. If you want to grab the link to get this book, you can go to maddiemoon.com forward slash George Lizos. And all of the links that we talked about on the show will be there in the show notes. And if you loved this episode, we would love if you left a review on iTunes. This is the Mind Body Musings Podcast episode 312. And we will see you next week for another episode. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.